Well, E3 may not be coming back this year, but we certainly are. Is that right, Dom? Yep, back again. For what feels like too long being away. But, yeah. you know, we're here. Looking at um, that last publishing date, you're like, oh, wow, February. Uh, whoops, sorry. Yeah. Sorry if anyone looked at the birthday present in March, you weren't getting it. Yeah. We, I say we, we, it was mostly me that was, you know, busy doing shit. Um, I, I totally botched our recordings today. I think I've pushed it back another 12 hours at least. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, work comes first, and you had to. You said you had to build something to get a bit of work done. So yeah, I don't want that recording as evidence. Don, let's move on. Delete that part. Definitely. <laughs> Cut, check. Let's go. To, go to the next part. I can check yeah, one uh, too. Uh, where's E three? Who knows? Fuck yeah, it. E three is shut the bed and is. I don't know if it's not a thing for this year or it is no longer a thing. Going I, forward, I have basically, as far as I can read into it. It's not happening this year, and because the reason it's not happening is because the big like publishing houses have pulled out of it. So Microsoft, uh, like Sony, left a few years back because they could do mm-hmm. their own presentation. Microsoft realized they could just do the same thing, and then so did Bethesda and Ubisoft. At yep. which point, Nintendo already left as well because Nintendo make a habit of doing uh, regular releases of like news and yep. information through YouTube channels. Yeah, they do their Nintendo Directs through Twitch and YouTube, so... Yeah, so they definitely don't need to show up at LA every year and pay X amount of money to get their stuff in front of people's eyes at you. At a certain point, I think the companies realise, wait, we're Nintendo, we're Ubisoft, we're Activision, we're Xbox, we have the brand power to make our own news just by, you know, saying hello to everyone. Yeah. We can just say, hey guys, we're going to do a, a live presentation on this day sit in your bed and watch it sit in your couch and watch it yeah which is what most of us did like if you made it out to LA to appear at the expo and have fun there with all the fake e-celebs and stuff like that and all the game developers cool awesome but most of us it was I check Twitter in the morning see if there was anything big announced overnight I go to work come back and watch the stream highlights that's that was E3 every year for several years it wasn't, you know, as big a deal for those of us living, you know, on another continent. It was just interesting to see what was coming out and get some big trailers. Yeah. I think I only know of one person that actually stayed up to watch the conferences live. I think they only did that for two years because it's just such a waste of time. Like, unless you're being paid to do it, why would you sit through all that shit when you can just catch the highlights at a reasonable time? Yeah. I mean, I, the last time I actually watched the full conference was drinking with my brothers. Other yeah. than that, I just don't care enough to sit there and watch it. Yeah, I mean, I tuned in Nintendo because I know for a fact they're going to pry my wallet open at a few, in a few instances, get some money out of me. Sony, they always announce some shit, same with Microsoft, but apart from that, not a whole else. Yeah, unless you know there's a good like Assassin's Creed game coming out, I don't think there's any reason to watch the Ubisoft one. Bethesda, yeah. they're never going to actually release Skyrim 2 or The Elder Scrolls 6, so fuck them. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> after that, it's a question of which small indie developer is going to be a surprise guest at you know, one of the bigger places. Yeah, and it's always developer digital, they always come in and say, here's this woman looking angry, kicking the shit out of someone, and now you're going to get carrying 2. Mm. Did we need that? Yeah. It's, uh, it's never really been... Uh, like a staple of the year, like some cool stuff comes out, and you get some fun interaction. 
but nine times out of ten, it especially the last couple of years, they try to bring in because they realize traditional media doesn't care about gaming because gaming is a threat to traditional media. Why would you cover the opposition? So they try and tag in like influencers because gaming is cool now. I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen that clip of uh, Jesse Wellens, who was like Frank V's prank um, on YouTube. Him mm -hmm. delivering a speech for like Need for Speed is one of the most god-awful things I've ever seen in my entire life. He just was not prepared for a camera to be on him, for him to have to be like professional, like kind of presentation version of himself. He just like be yeah. more kind of chilled back and relaxed. And like you, you feel like him realizing, oh no, I'm in trouble. And the panic set in as he gives a presentation. And it was mm. all happening on a live stream. And he's a YouTuber. So he was used to having like a second take. So it yeah. all just goes completely out the fucking window. And I think that was the last year before COVID hit. So, yeah. I mean, the COVID situation definitely put massive dampers on all E3 events. But there was always that thing of, hey, at least we can put together a big collaboration stream. And then every big publisher says, actually, we'll just, you know fire up our old Twitch channel that we use from time to time, so uh, yeah. bye. And then with no purpose, E3 just kind of drops dead. Yeah. And I think it's about it's about time E3 either changed or just went away because people weren't tuning in to see the whole conference. No one watched the PC game show. Mm -hmm. like, I know one person who watched the PC game show and it was because he was a Twitch streamer that specifically played PC games. Apart from that, no one was watching it. So it needed to change. And the fact that it went away, hopefully the people behind it are going to restructure it and say, let's not do it about announcing games. Let's do it about, you know, let's focus a bit more on the games. Let's people have people playing the games without queuing up for fucking days to, you know, play the latest build of Street Fighter or something. So, so on one hand, it is, a, it is a bit of a shame that E3 is disappearing, but at the same time, something had to change. Yeah. And it does leave, as you say, space in the market for something to kind of rise up out the ashes. Nothing saying you can't turn it into like the player experience. Not a bad idea. Give people a chance to have their hands on, but again, you still need like the sign off of the big companies. Yeah. Um, if it's not the biggest draw on the planet anymore, because you know you've got to make your way to LA to play a video game. Like, hmm. I don't know if you remember. It was some old like Call of Duty release. I thought, what's it? It was like Black Ops Two. Where they flew mm -hmm. a bunch of like Twitch streamers into like this old army like airbase or something like that, somewhere in the middle of the US, and people were like it was just a fucking disaster. <laughs> yeah, and like if somebody's not willing to travel to cover your event as the influence, there's almost nothing you can do to you know gain eyes on an event. Whereas yeah. you could just put it up on Steam and say, "Hey guys, open beta for the, the coming weekend. Do what you want to do on the servers and just see what happens." And that would generate about as much hype or as much buzz as like a closed event. Yeah. I actually do remember, I think it was Black Ops 3 that that happened when it was just you know, an absolute shit show. <laughs> I just, I feel like the uh, the marketing teams have like a really cool idea of how it's going to go down and not realising all it takes is a tiny, tiny little fuck up. to just yeah. suddenly, just, oh no. <laughs> 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 it all goes like it, it gains momentum, especially if you've got multiple kids there, all with cameras, yeah. all filming and all recording at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I just you know, it was good for gaming news for a while, but now gaming news has kind of moved beyond E3. Yeah, gaming news is kind of doing its own thing. It's now just becoming its own little self-contained bubble that yeah. you know people are getting. It, you know, Nintendo themselves are just are quite proactive on Twitter posting shit. 
uh, same with Sony. If there's any new updates, they more than likely just pop it up on uh, Twitter or whatever media ser- or social media service takes over from Twitter. Because that, can we just stop with Twitter? It's yeah. And the fact that it's a fucking Dogecoin is the no. It's changed back to the bird. Yeah, we should maybe think... clarify that a couple of days ago uh, we're recording on the ninth. Twitter, I think, on the sixth, I want to say, changed yeah. its logo from the Twitter bluebird icon to Doge, as in like Dogecoin and the Doge beans. Um, I think it was actually the first of April. You know, April Fool's that kind of bullshit. Oh, I didn't see it on April first. <laughs> All right. I was like, oh wow, it really fucked up waiting four days to make that happen. But that's the thing is, I didn't check Twitter for five six days, and you know, see that to be a year ago to the point where I'm addicted to Twitter. I would have said unbelievable that I just would go without that platform for five or six days. Maybe this is Elon Musk's long game. He's gonna get people off of social media and back into the real world to do their fucking jobs and save Maybe. the economy. <laughs> it's like I a don't five think he's smart. I don't think he's smart enough for that though. Yeah. I I, I have no faith in the man and it's watching it, one of the most interesting like experiments in social media. Just eat complete shit as it dies. I'm like, ah, this is it's messed up. I don't know why. I don't know why it's it's such a shame we see it go down this way. But I imagine this is probably what people felt like when uh, Tumblr ate shit as well back in the day. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, but I don't think people were using uh, Twi- uh, Tumblr for anything more than porn. Like, have you seen Twitter recently? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as you said that, I looked on Twitter and hashtag Seductive Sunday is trending. So, well. <laughs> Let's open those links, baby. Let's see who's got who's got the goods. <laughs> Some of the stuff you see on social media, you're like you can't post that. <laughs> Surely there has to be some kind of disclaimer there, so kids don't happen upon this randomly. I'm not a traditionalist by any sense, <laughs> by any sense of the term, but only your husband should see that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the funny thing; they're always like. Because recently, this year, I say recently, uh, probably this year and maybe a bit of last year, I found out who Amaranth is. And looking at some of her stuff, I was like, "You, this should be between you and, you know, a partner of your choice." Because this is mental. <laughs> yeah, and she's, I'd say, on the tamer side because you know she's got to keep. It's the same as like uh, Jessica Negri, who fantastic cosplayer, but undeniably the sexiest nerd you've ever seen. It it doesn't get better than her. I'm sorry, but the idea that there was always a one day she was gonna take her top off and that was it was gonna be it, but that's never gonna happen because you have to keep the the money rolling in. It's the same idea yeah. that Amrath has, where you know you have to keep something in reserve, keep people coming back, and she's yeah, you have the, to keep that promise. Yeah, Amrath is the the gamer queen of Twitch. I think I, I know there's obviously um. Like Pokemon and stuff like that, and you know, there's other like people who make it big, but over time, I'd say she's probably remained the longest standing like queen of Twitch in terms of like the grind as well. Like 15 hour streams, and she, she actually started doing like sleeping streams where you can just watch her sleep, and you're like, This is the creepiest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that those popping up, and it's just people sleeping on Twitch. Are there fans that are that rabid and that you know? supportive of a Twitch streamer that they're willing to watch them sleep for eight to ten hours. Yes. I mean <laughs> I fucking hope I hope not. <laughs> I remember 
Uh, like when you're doing like a a a, a subathon, like a multi day yeah. subathon, I get it. There's times you gotta go to sleep. It makes sense. Um, and what you do then is you would put on like a a video of your highlights, your like your greatest hits. You put on like a compilation video of your previous streams or whatever. That I can see that being interesting. It's a place for the community to stay and hang out during the subathon, and you get to catch a break. But I'm talking about she's just sleeping on a bed and yeah. nothing else is going on. And the mic's turned on and that's it. There's maybe a bit of ambient EDM music, something going on in the background. Just that's it, which is weird. It's a weird platform. It's not as bad as Kick, though. That's, uh, that's a spin-off. Com- kick. It's a spin-off compared to Twitch. Literally, it's green, but it's Twitch. And hmm. the ideas are it's backed by a gambling service. Like, as in, there's uh, a, a digital casino is fronting the money for this thing because a digital uh, broadcast service like Twitch is not cheap. Ask Amazon, ask YouTube, or ask Google. They are hemorrhaging money trying to keep the servers running because there's so much stuff being broadcast online. Hmm. And the big draw is look, gambling's permitted because gambling was kicked off of Twitch, I want to say six months ago after some big controversies. And then you have uh, no terms of service. So somebody, one of the biggest creators on there was broadcasting the Super Bowl. Which is, I, I don't know if it's specifically the Super Bowl that's a felony, but you can't broadcast, like, mm. US television to other viewers through a, another service. That's yeah. just a hell no, um, from, especially from the NFL. Um, and then there are obviously, like, people just live stream. <laughs> there was an old joke about this, like, the Conor, like an old Conor McGregor fight where a kid was like pretending to play uh, like he was playing UFC and he was just he was watching the game but like pretending to control it with the controller that's not even there anymore because that's funny because that kid got away with it somehow for an entire stream he just pretended to be playing like a UFC fighting game and it was just an actual broadcast of the UFC hmm. and now it's just people just sit there watching the UFC like sipping a drink chat and occasionally they chat to like spice it up a bit but that's kick in a nutshell is just unrestricted broadcast i don't know how long that's gonna last i imagine it won't be long until somebody's lawyer has uh, a few questions but yeah the internet's a wild place faster yeah it's a fascinating dumpster fire of a place <laughs> Speaking of fascinating dumpster fires, well, actually, I can't really say that. Um, I watched Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't even, I think that's just a dumpster fire. It's not even a fascinating dumpster fire. I mean... I Some of the most positive people that I know that refuse to hate on anything, they say, well, it was a, I didn't like it, but, you know, I'm not going to say it's terrible because all those people worked on it. And, like, <laughs> you are a fucking ray of sunshine. <laughs> those people have said to me, oh, I went to see Cocaine Bear. And I was so fucking bored about a film. I was so bored watching a film about a bear that eats a kilogram of cocaine. Yeah. How it, are you bored by that? That sounds like the most interesting pre- premise ever. It was just boring. It couldn't decide whether it wanted to be brutal and gory or it wanted to be funny. It just kind of waved aimlessly between them. That is the most accurate view I could ever give of that film because that is the problem is it is it is stuck with the idea of we need to show you the bear doing bear stuff on cocaine. It needs to be on a rampage. It needs to be actively aggressive. 
and it needs to be attacking and killing people to turn this into kind of a horror movie. But it's not enough of a horror because all the tone and all the setting, like the the visuals are set up for comedy. They like all the bright lighting is there during the daytime scenes, and then at the end, for some reason, there's a scene at night in a cave where it's so dark you can't see shit. I don't know what they're doing there, but the the daytime scenes are far too bright and far too like kind of happy go lucky, oversaturated. Um, it feels. I mean, it's directed by Elizabeth Banks, who's a, a comedy director. Yeah, allegedly, but she um like all of her stuff is set. She's up for, trying. <laughs> she's trying. She, she turned the camera on. That's fair. I'll give her that. She's uh, doing her job. The she lens almost directed uh, Thor Ragnarok. It's it's in focus. There you go. There you go. There's there's a compliment for you. Right. It's in focus. But uh, I I just watching the film like it's just so wrong in so many ways and it's stuck dithering with this idea that it wants to be super serious about the fact there's a bear there's cocaine but it can't stop stopping itself from getting on with the story to say did you see. There's a bear that did cocaine. That's the joke. That's the joke of the film. And I'm like, I think the joke is me here. Uh, I don't like this. <laughs> I'm the joke for sitting watching Pilot Garden. Pretty much. The only excuse I can think of. Um, that I'd say uh, it's like its best moment is the bear chasing the ambulance, which is in the trailer. So that saves you 20 quid yeah. on tickets alone. The funniest part is Margot Martindale shoots a kid in the head because they're panicking because they go, oh, fuck, it's the bear who does cocaine, the cocaine bear. Have you heard of him? He's a bear who does cocaine. And they're like, oh, my God, it's the bear who does cocaine. And she, like, points the gun. with her, she's, got a, she's a park ranger, but she has, like, a mm-hmm. fucking forty-four magnum. And she pulls, pulls the trigger, blows a hole through the kid's fucking head. Hilarious. I'm like, nah, I can't believe they actually did that. I thought they were kind of going to do it. You know how we talked about Halloween uh, kills? From like, mm-hmm. there's no way they're going to kill a kid at the first part of the movie. Yes, they fucking did. It's like, there's no way they're going to shoot this kid in the head. Yes, they fucking did. Awesome. And then immediately I'm taken out of it because like, it's a th- straight through and through of it, right through his head out the front. Mm. And then they ca- have a character come out of the side of the shot and he's covered in blood from the headshot. The head didn't explode that way. He shouldn't have blood on him. Immediately, I'm like, you fucked it. <laughs> you had one of the best surprises in this entire film, and you just fucked it right out there. Uh, it was it was frustrating, because I sat there watching. I, I could hear people in the background like laughing along with the movie, and I'm like, really? This shit? Really? Okay, fine. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> Uh, actually, yeah, for those listening at home, I'm going to give you an accurate depiction of how Colin laughing at this film went. <coughs> Fuck! <laughs> it was it was a smile as that kid's face evaporated, and then I just uh... <laughs> Fuck! It actually made me laugh. Disappointed in myself, but to be fair, these kids also laughed at the Renfield trailer. So you're like, okay, you people like these are the these are the glue sniffing babies from back in the day, the kids at the back of the class who just were eating glue. Yeah, <laughs> I actually kind of want to see Renfield to be honest, but that's just more because I want to see Nick Cage's Dracula as opposed to anything to do with the film itself. I just want to see how unhinged Nick Cage gets when he plays someone like Dracula. The, the more I see the trailer and obviously the different cuts of the trailer that you see on different like platforms, I'm like, uh, starting to lose it. it the appeal, the initial yeah. gag is there, and I get it, but it's starting to lose it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did that, to be fair, I did see... Uh, 
cocaine bear the same day i went and see everything everywhere all at once and that yep. was just a fantastic movie that yeah. was fucking awesome i am so happy that that film won something like seven oscars mm. although what bugs me is it the they're claiming that everything everywhere all at once was the most awarded film at the oscars and my head immediately went to didn't Return of the King win something like 11 fucking Oscars? Yeah, Lord of the Rings went to 11. I'm almost certain. Yeah. Because they never got anything for any other movies, and everyone's like, ah, fuck, you can't pull it off. Right, every Oscar, yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, just get Return of the King gets them all. But I will say that everything everywhere all at once did deserve its Oscars. Mm. Not because, not just solely because Michelle Yeoh, you know, plays the lead character for phenomenally, Ki Hui Kwan. He's just, you know, the ultimate kind of anti-hero. Like, I don't mean anti-hero as in he's a bad guy, but he's a hero. He, he plays the hero character, but in such a non-heroic way. He deserves the fucking Oscar for that. And Jamie Lee Curtis getting an Oscar, I'm all for that fucking woman doing anything. It's just, when you put it all together and you watch that film, when you first watch it, you're thinking, what the fuck is going on here? But then, or when you, at the first part of the film, you're like, what the fuck is going on here? But then when you settle into it and you realise what they're going for, you're like, Oh shit! This is actually fucking genius. Yeah, I I walked away from that film thinking I I'm gonna need to see this like at least two or three times. I'm not gonna get all of this the first time, but even just the first time you walk away from that film, like I have very strong ideas of where that was going initially and how it twisted and kind of like judo flips into a different story. Yeah, and I I love the fact that it went through like five or six different storylines and ideas at the same time and then brought it all together towards the end. Um, yeah. A quick Google search, by the way, a list of Academy Awards. Most awards won by a single film is 11, and it's Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Nominated uh, in 11 of the 17 possible categories, won all 11. Yeah. Uh, See, I thought that. It was fucking Twitter, you know, messing with my mind. I was like, are we just forgetting fucking Return of the King? Yeah, I mean, everyone, everything, everywhere, all at once is a phenomenal film, but yeah, it doesn't uh, beat Return I, of the King. Uh, three films have actually won the Academy Awards. Ben Hur in 1959, I have that. Uh, nominated in 12 of 15 possible categories. Uh, Titanic in 97, nominated in 14 of the 17 possible categories, but 11 wins overall. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that is a huge, like, that's massive percentage of those awards given out to just those three films. And again, like, at the same time, all of them fan fucking Tassie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I it maybe is I think of like it's the most awarded in that ceremony or in recent ceremonies, but yeah, yeah, it might be. It's one of those things of like they just want to bump up, get more hype for the movie and more attention on themselves. Just typical, you know, modern media fish. Yeah, it but, probably does make sense. It's probably it's the most awarded uh, film in recent history because I don't think any film has done a massive sweep like that since Return of the King. Mm. So it's probably the most awarded film of the you know the last decade or something but i mean while we're on the subject of like the oscars just just fuck them yeah just fuck them yeah just fuck them <laughs> uh, i'm 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 really glad that uh you know actors i genuinely quite like seeing their performances are getting awards like uh you know jamie lee curtis finally getting an oscar is pretty fucking cool but yeah i don't really care it's becoming an absolute dog and pony show it's just like here's what we did it's like you were specifically made a film as oscar bait yeah. maybe you just make a film and 
try and you know if it's good enough, mate. Hopefully, it gets Oscar claim. Like, actually, you've mentioned the Oscars. I'm going to say it. The Batman was robbed. The Batman should have won best uh, score, but it was fucking robbed. I just like all these award ceremonies. I mean, uh, you probably you almost definitely missed this, but there was a streamer award thing for Twitch streamers. Um, or the streamies or whatever it is. Just fuck off. Eight hour broadcast of a wannabe Oscars show. I, I get it. You want to have a big celebration of what you and your friends accomplished because the people in there are accomplishing fantastic things. I'm a big fan of Sea Dog VA, who's a Welsh uh, anime streamer living in Japan at the moment. He did the charity yeah. stream cycling like for seven days straight around Hokkaido. And he did the same thing a few days later for another charity stream, uh, raising money for the Amino Defense Fund. And yeah. it is. Uh, like fantastic charitable work and I really support the stuff he's done he's made fantastic efforts like raising awareness of a charity that affects so many people that you don't even think about but at the same time like the idea that we're going to sit around for 8 hours to watch Twitch streamers like pretend, make pretend that they're the Oscars uh, just just knock it off like we don't have, yeah. nobody has time for that shit and I, I get the feeling yeah. of wanting to award people and give them little pats on the backs and like gold stars and stuff like that for the work they've done but I just like most people don't get that like yeah you, you don't get an award ceremony for being the best dust binman like you, best binman best you know like lollipop lady or whatever like that's just not a thing <laughs> yeah Mo- like most people that aren't celebrities don't give a shit about getting awards you know it's cash just... awards yeah oh yeah but... <laughs> financial compensation hell yeah <laughs> Yeah, so oh, dude, I I did really well at my job today, and I get a I get a financial bonus. Great. Oh, I did. Or contrast with, I did really well at my job today, and he gave me a little gold statue. Can I melt the gold statue and you know cash for gold this shit? How, or... how good's the actual gold here, boss? Just asking yeah. some questions. <laughs> yeah, is it real gold or is it that kind of fake fool's gold? That's gonna like as you know, as we're watching economy fucking collapse again, as we're yep. watching all this shit going on, all this. It, instability brought on by three four years of pandemic another set of conflicts uh in like ukraine and in fucking yemen and stuff like that and all these different conflicts going on across the planet and it's like no 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 people in la have to take time out of their day to go pat themselves in the back go fuck yourself yeah that's what fucking bugs me um although <laughs> i did have a i did have a bit of a I joke at one of my friends' expense. Someone that I went uni with is a huge, huge English football fan. <laughs> and uh, Eng- and uh, England were playing Ukraine recently and they were beating them. And I just messaged them just saying, you proud of yourself? Feel good? <laughs> feel just good about really, that really, one, hmm? <laughs> yeah, feel real good about beating the, the people who were, you know, warring a couple of months ago and they got pulled out of the war to go and play football. Good about beating them. It's so mean. I like it though. <laughs> it, is, it is mean, but uh, he. But he's an English football fan, so fuck him. He's an English football fan, yeah. Because you're naturally me being Scottish and the rugby fan that I am. I was just like, yeah, we'll dust the mantelpiece off. The Calcutta Cup is coming home to Murrayfield. And they're like, whatever, it doesn't mean shit, you know. They're from fucking. They're from proper northern England. So I'm not even going to try and do the accent. But, um, like. <laughs> just say bastard a lot. Yeah. Bastard. Bastard. Yeah. Like Sean Bean, Yorkshire. Bastard stole my gravy. <laughs> Bastard stole me football covered gravy. Oh, <laughs> your gravy covered football. <laughs> no, I said football covered gravy, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, now I just want like, it's Dom's football and gravy. 
available. Well, single coming out now. 2025. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, speaking of available in stores now, I watched the Transformers movie, and this shit is the most like hype kids up film of uh, hype yeah. kids up and tell them the toys are in store now. Like holy shit, it, it's a decent movie. So I, I picked a few holes in the Transformers uh, 1986 movie because I, I just can't help myself. I really am just a dick like that. Um, I sent a few of them because uh, the friend who was generous enough to give me a DVD of this uh, masterpiece was like, what did you think? And this is uh, what I brought up. They've got stuff that uh, is very obvious, like the stuff where things are just happening to move the story along, which is fine. I mean, it's a kids' TV program. We don't need to think too much about stuff like this, but like the way that the cars drive over terrain I mean, uh, like, for example, Hot Rod is one of the main characters. He's a race car who can drive over mountaintops without, you know, any issue whatsoever. Like, following along with, like, what is, I think, a 4x4, a military 4x4. Um, like, the kid, Dan is the kid's name. He can clobber a Decepticon over the t- over the head with a piece of metal, like a 4x4, or like a rebar, and that knocks him out. I don't think Transformers can get knocked out, but fuck it, I guess. Like, or how they introduce Megatron at, when he's boarding a ship. And it's the ship on the way to Earth to take over, uh, what do you call it again? Uh, it's the Transformer City on Earth, which is interesting. Because um, I feel like that's another kind of available in-stores kit that you can probably find from the time. But he jumps up to threaten the Autobots that are on the ship. And says, ah, no, no, I have you. You're, you're all going to die. And then they just, like, transform him into a gun that another Autobot or another Decepticon shoots at the Autobots. Like, stuff morphs and ships so much to try and fit into uh the story just to try and like make it work by any means necessary it's kind of admirable how much they do it but at the same time stuff like uh the music the soundtrack was like a big thing that was hyped up on because i got sent a playlist of like here's all the best hits of this uh this album and first of all that best hits mr weird al yankovic song which is just unforgivable but the rest of it is just really odd glam metal it's catchy i like it it's kind of cool but like all those like greatest hits track from the uh like the the transformers movie soundtrack are just they're there for like the action scene and then like as the developer or as the the editor gets bored you just kind of feel it fade away and it's just such a hard fade off like you'll just be having a conversation and then all of a sudden the audio just well the audio comes back in later and it's it's just a weird like mash of editing techniques and it happens as well with visuals where stuff just like fades to black for no reason and then you come back to the same scene after a fade to black it, it, i think because i've noticed this a few times with some anime films i've been watching that it's to do with like commercial breaks as if that was going to be a commercial break when the thing was originally animated and the fade to black was supposed to be the cut to commercial and then you would come back to the fight scene. That's why it cuts from a personal moment, like fading to black, and then cuts back into an establishing scene. A theory of mine, but I, I wasn't checking the runtime of how long certain things are. But that's my then idea. Again, then again, Transformers 1987, I think, is uh, 86. 86 was a film that wasn't really made with you know editing techniques in mind. I think it was literally made right. Transformers is dwindling. Kids aren't interested in it anymore. What do we do? Let's make a film. Let's make it look good. Let's put in all these hype as fuck, you know, dad rock songs in there. Yeah. That people are going to be talking about from years to come. Let's fucking kill off Optimus Prime. Let's kill off Megatron. Uh, let's bring in Judd Nelson as Hot Rod. Let's bring in Robert Stack as Ultra Magnus. Let's get a fucking female uh, Autobot in there. Let's get RC in there. People want to fuck a car. Uh, let's get dinosaurs. We're going to get dinosaurs. We're Is gonna RC get that... a new thing? Was she just uh, there, there for the for that yeah. one movie? Or is she introduced RC in that was movie? Brought in, 
yeah, she was brought in for that film because there weren't enough female Transformers. Or any, I this, think. This, uh, yeah, this show needs some sex appeal. How about some? How about a car with some titties? <laughs> yeah, let's get a, let's get a curvy car. And then they brought in that guy. He he was in America. He, he held the Guinness World Record for the most words said in a minute. He was like one of those fast talker guys. He's brought in as the character blower that moves really fast and he's always talking, talking, talking bullshit. Yeah, it's a weird and one. then they put the icing on the cake, or the the icing on the cake was let's get Eric Idle in there. And then fuck with one more thing, cherry on top. Hey guys, how funny would it be if you could get Orson Welles as Unicorns? Wait, fuck, we can? <laughs> Shit, we need to do it now. He worked for pay? Fucking go for it, son. Um, and that I, was his last role before he passed away. I swear to God, the death sound of uh, Unicron is like a little too close when you know that it's his last like, acting role. You're like, <laughs> oh no, buddy. No, <laughs> please. There's something weird about the gargling noise that's in there and you're like, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good at all. Um, but yeah, as like a an Austin Wells mini fan, like I'm not as deep into the lore as other like the real hard like hothead fans. It is, yeah. it is interesting to know that that's the last thing he worked on. But at the same time, he just genuinely seemed to enjoy doing funny weird roles towards the end and was trying to raise money for making his other movies because yeah. Hollywood wouldn't support him because they're a bunch of fucking dicks. Um, I can also- imagine he probably got the lion's share of a. Uh, fees for that film <laughs> i can't imagine judd nelson or robert stack pulling in as much money as orson wells ah man later nimoy is the big winner here oh yeah yeah um i, I would say actually optimus is destined the, the final fight of optimus and megatron is pretty fucking fantastic yeah i will have i will hear no bad words there about the fist fight between optimus and megatron and it is like, ju- it is just a fist fight it's like oh they're robots from outer space they're alien technology sentient trucks it's just two dudes stabbing each other and trying to blast each other's guts out. I'm like, this is yeah. this is pretty hardcore for the kids' movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See when right when you're a kid who was raised around Transformers, right? Like uh, myself and my two older brothers and mo- many of our friends that I still know to this day, you wanted Megatron and Optimus just to fucking kill each other, <laughs> and then you actually get to see that. You're like, holy shit, they did it. How long like is Optimus he's gonna be out of commission for this whole fight? Like, no, you actually killed him. Holy shit. And about nine other Autobots. Yes, yeah, when you're younger, yeah. you don't question it. Because yeah. you just think, oh, this is just casualties of war. And then you, when you get older, like, you motherfuckers, you pulled the wool over my eyes. I um the, the death scene's a bit odd though. Like the, the the final farewell, the kind of like the prophecy of one of one day one of us shall arise from the the ranks of the Autobots to become a true leader. And you're like, okay, interesting. And then all of a sudden, there's just like the color goes out of him, and I'm like, "What the fuck was that? <laughs> is the color like a signifier or something?" I didn't like maybe just as a Transformers fan, I don't know what this is about. I'm assuming this is the first time that a, a character has died in a Transformers thing. Yeah, Even. it's the first. Apart from the people that get slaughtered by the Decepticons on the ship outside that Earth city, uh, yeah, that's the first time in Transformers lore really that a big main character has died and since that original animated film optimus has to die every so often as a kind of sticking point as a kind of historic point in any kind of transformers media but this is what started it and like as i texted you earlier the backlash to optimus's death was so vitriolic that they just ended up bringing him back in the next season because they they couldn't take it. it was like, right, fuck it, we'll give you Optimus back. He's going to be a zombie for a little while. You're just going to have to deal with that. But we'll <laughs> bring him back. 
I um I, I just I watched it and I was like, okay, that's it was a good scene and I like that it was the setup for Optimus is gone, the the father figure of the, the Autobots is gone, it's now time for the kids to take over. And that's a good metaphor because you've got Dan as the kid becoming part of the action, which I assume he probably wasn't during the show. It was probably his dad. I mean, he probably yeah. helped out, but it was mostly his dad, who's, I, I guess he's the human contact for the Autobots or whatever. But Yeah, Daniel, he was the, no, Spike was the, he was the kind of human that helped out the Autobots, and I'm pretty sure Daniel was a child, like a very, very young child. Right. And there's some stuff there where it's like a, a child in peril, where it's like, it's just that typical, I, mean, I assume it's like an audience insert character, you know. But yeah. it's like the child in peril stuff. I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't, but it's like, it's an 80s kids cartoon. It kind of has to have that stuff in there. Same way that, like, if you notice, there's not a lot of people getting shot by the Autobots. Um, there's obviously a lot of, like, Stormtrooper aiming where it's like, oh, fire, fire at them, boys. Have at them. And it's just like, they just open up fire and nobody actually hits anybody. Yeah. And it, you notice there's never really, main characters don't get to, to kill or hurt anybody. And it's pretty obvious when, like, you get that first, uh, the first Decepticons land on Earth, and mm. you have like the one that transforms into a tank, almost shoots Hot Rod. Hot Rod just yeah. kind of lighting up the plane. The the tank one almost goes to fire on him, but somebody gets to like the other guy pulls up the barrel, and it shoots another Decepticon. But there's yeah. almost this kind of like plausible deniability that the Autobots didn't kill anybody, therefore they're still good role models. And it's just trying. Yeah. To, there's so much that the universe bends around trying to make. The Autobots stay good. Whereas I think yeah. if you did it now and you just had Autobots just fucking murking people, it'd be a lot more interesting. Yeah, I think you, you kind of hit, in fact, you definitely hit the nail on the head there because people wanted to see the Decepticons kill and murder people. Like one of the best scenes in the film is Galvatron just destroying Starscream. Mm -hmm. like, I was going to bring up that next. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that a bit because it is like genuinely my favorite Transformers character, Galvatron, just doing one of the most badass things ever. Uh, like Ultra Magnus and I think Optimus are meant to be these, you know, marksmen in terms of, you know, soldiers, but you never see Ultra Magnus kill anybody. He gets fucking lit up by Galvatron's crew when they're on the planet of junk and Hot Rod just kind of dodges a lot of shit. He, he has a couple of kills when he's cutting things with his, his, his axe hand on the the water planet when he's getting attacked by all the Sharktacons, but... Yeah. But the, I think they make yeah, a point... They had to be like... good role models. Yeah, they make a point. I think of saying, "Oh, like the Sharkatron or whatever the fuck it is. It's like a, it's like an animal and a, a shark robot thing. It's yeah. not like a, it's not a real transformer. It's not a real person. It's a monster thing. We can kill the monster thing, and that's yeah. cool. But they're I not just... allowed to kill real actual people. <laughs> yeah, you can't kill something that has a, like it's a, its own name thing. It can't have yeah. its own name, and you can't kill it. But um, yeah, the Galvatron just wiping it. Sorry, because Starscream is in that same vein as kind of like Cobra Commander." Where he's just like a dick. Same voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I noticed. Um, yeah. <laughs> because, um, I don't know if you know who Rob Schraub is, but he's a friend no. of Dan Harmon, and he does a perfect Cobra Commander. And I keep assuming it's Starscream. I was looking for the clips of him doing Starscream voice acting, but he is just voice acting as uh, Cobra Commander. There's mm. some clips from Community where they, they did a, a, a G.I. Joe parody episode, and I'm like, please get Rob Schraub in do the voice of Cobra Commander, because it is perfect. <laughs> and it, that same voice, even when I'm hearing the real versions of those characters, I still imagine him saying just horrific shit as Cobra Commander. Like, you keep waiting for, like, the, the mask to drop and him to just say some horrific stuff as him, and, like, basically, like, sexually harass people and stuff like that, with that creepy voice that 
those characters have. But the the Starscream death is the funniest shit on the planet. <laughs> he finally causes a bit of power, demands a coronation, like rushes everything through because he really wants to be anointed king of the Decepticons or whatever the fuck. <laughs> he shoots like he shoots like four trumpets for some yeah. reason. And actually, now I think about it, the angle he was at would be impossible to shoot the four trumpets. <laughs> I don't know why I'm working at the physics of this, but the angles yeah. are all wrong. But he shoots the four trumpets, and just as he's about to be like kind of proclaimed king, and like, another person shows up and just nukes him off the face of the planet. <laughs> yeah, Galvatron just destroys him. I do like the uh, the reform of like because um, uh, Unicron gives new armor and weapons to uh, Megatron and a bunch and um, gives them a bunch of new henchmen. Or yeah. new, new toys to sell. And yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. It's really it's one of those things of like, and here's the new product line available in stores now. And you're like, oh shit, <laughs> we're doing this, are we? Yep. But uh, yeah, it was it, it was interesting to watch like this um, uh, like because I'd never seen I'd seen this once uh, as a physics teacher, uh, Mister Lamb. I haven't heard from him in ages, but I hope he's doing well. There, he's a great teacher. And yeah. very good to us as like fellow nerds. You know, he's the one who yeah. taught us to play D and D. Who taught me to play D and D anyway. Yeah, he he kind of passed the torch to us as a DM. Yeah. After he left to go and he got a research job, and it was like, okay. I ain't doing teaching anymore. You guys take over the D and D club. Like we shall, sir. Um, I, I and it was just he had it on once, and it was like during like a, an end of school thing, where it's like the last days of school. It's like nobody. I, I didn't even. I wasn't even in a physics class. Somebody just told me. Hey, we're watching Transformers in this physics class. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'll be there in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just leave this. We'll find a way to leave this English class, and I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> and it's, I've seen it once. I remember seeing, it must have been the shark scene, because I was looking through the film. I was like, where is the shark scene? And it's like, oh, it's near the end. Because it's the shark scene, they escape onto the surface of planet junk. And yeah. then you have the dance scene with Weird Al Yankovic, and... A guy who looks weirdly Mongolian for a Decepticon yeah. or for a robot. I, I don't know yeah, what. Voiced by Eric Idle. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it's such a weird scene because it's just weird. Iankovic, saying, don't, uh, don't be afraid to be dumb or something like that. As like a bunch yeah, of people just uh, kind of boogie around in a circle. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, is the this? song is "Dare to Be Stupid." Dare to be stupid. Yeah, there. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this scene? <laughs> what is? <laughs> Other than again another new toy line to bring out, yeah, and a funny little like sing along moment. Uh, yeah, can you imagine? Weird Al Yankovic had a new song out. It's like, how can I advertise this in a way that people are actually going to see? And then Hasbro just pops his head around the corner. It's like, well, come with me, friend. Come with me. <laughs> we are going to make the weirdest choice of song and party music of all time. And I just I wonder. And also in a this. weird kind of loop closing type of thing. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic voiced that character in later interpretations of him. Just to kind of really close that loop. Huh. I just, I mean, th this kind of, like, confusion that I have right now is how I feel about the whole film in general. Because you just keep going from one thing to another, to another, to another. And yeah. I, I just, I don't know what actually happened, if I'm being entirely honest. I need to find yeah. a way to get the, like, the, the copy of it, like, saved the hard drives, I can give it back to a friend. But yeah. I just... The only thing I'd say is missing in terms of like making it... I, again, I want the more kind of serious version of the movie. 
maybe not like Michael Bay level of just destruction, try to like gore all over the place. But I want more weight on the impacts when stuff like hits. Because what you have is two like building sized car people punching the fuck out of each other. And yet it doesn't feel like it, there's anything there. And I, I wish it would take a lot of time and effort and money to re edit the movie or to add in like impact sounds that don't just sound like cheap stock car crash effects. Yeah. But giving it a little bit of like crunch and weight, especially for the Optimus fight, would have been interesting to say the least. I guarantee if this was an animated film made now, it probably would have all that. But given that it was in the 80s, and yeah, as you've said a few times now, they are not a reluctant to tell you that this is to release toys. Yeah. So they that, just kind of they the, let it happen. There was points where some of the animation gets a bit kind of wonky and you're like, oh no. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff to do with like if there's ever it's just hard to draw these things, but the perspective of some stuff coming from like really close to really far away or backwards and forwards and stuff gets quite wonky at times. And it's stuff that people struggle with now. I can't imagine yeah. back in the nineties, and this is technically like a, an anime release, um, which I yeah, get. Manga Entertainment release it, released it. I have it on Blu-ray somewhere. Um, and it was original anime. Does that mean that the Transformers films are the most successful anime adaptation of all time? Yeah, I think so. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really hoping the Your Name movie would be, didn't get that title, but nah, I don't think we can catch up to the fucking Transformers franchise. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh. Actually, just because I, I mentioned your name, which is Makoto Shinkai's big film, uh, his yeah. new film, Suzume, comes out in 10 days. No, actually less than that, five days. And I booked tickets. And I booked tickets to the sub and the dub because I can see them both in Glasgow. Um, only thing is, I, I have to book them separately on Cineworld. They don't let me check out with multiple tickets because you've got to book the ticket, assign the seat to yourself, and then check out. And you can't go back to book another ticket during that session. So I booked that ticket, went back to book the other ticket for the other session, which is the subtitled version, and my bank flagged it as a credit card fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I'm just a massive weeb. I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just want to see anime. <laughs> I beg of you, please. <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned that. It just reminded me of something that happened to me very recently when I got, I say very recently, last year. I bought Tickets to go and see a film. I bought four of them. Cancelled it and then bought <laughs> four tickets again because I'd got them in a different seat or something like that. Then I had to add in two more tickets and because I'd basically added more tickets to the same thing and in such a quick succession, they're like, okay, this seems a bit seems a bit weird. And it was midday, I got a message on my nationwide app saying, we've had some suspicious activities. So like, no, I just have some wishy-washy friends that weren't sure if they were going to go and they didn't want to go at this time. So, you know, I've just got a bunch of indecisive fucks for friends, right? <laughs> well, I'm pissed because somebody took my seat. <laughs> I had yeah. seat B9 taken. It's dead centre. It's the second from the front. There's nothing in front of you. You can just watch the film. Um, It means if I'm crying, nobody can see me. Uh, <laughs> I'm dead centre on the screen. So uh, that's like the perfect seat. And I had it there, and it was booked and ready to go. I got the credit card fraud notification, and then I had to go back. I had to wait 10 minutes. And by the time I'd waited enough time to come back, somebody had fucking taken it. <laughs> God damn it. 
I just want to weave in private. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, this is like stuff like Transformers and everything everyone wants is kind of like why I enjoy movies. Just, yeah. It's a very, they're both kind of silly in a weird way. Um, and they both don't take themselves too seriously. Obviously, one's a, a very, very commercial product, and one is just yeah. this weird film that is just blowing up because it's it's surprisingly relevant. Given I, I think a lot of everything everyone wants is about mental health, but that's just me. Yeah, um, I I think it's if you look at it's, if you break it down and it's kind of four messages, I guess. If you look at Waymond, who I genuinely thought I got his name wrong at the first time, but no, his name is actually Waymond Wang. Uh, that's Ki Kui Kwan's character. He's he's basically meant to be the kind of people pleaser, nice guy. No matter what he does in that, he will help. He will try and get people to be better. That's the kind of mental health people pleaser type of thing. Then you've got uh, Michelle Yeoh's character. She's the kind of I need to hold everybody together type of thing. You know, I need to keep fighting. And then you've got uh, Stephanie Sue, Stephanie Stephanie Hugh. Uh, the the daughter her thing is you know fighting to be relevant, kind of what fight to be, get my voice heard. And if you kind of distill that on it with some weird imagery about bagels and you know different timelines and shit, it all becomes quite relevant to kind of what we're going through just now. Yeah, people are struggling to be heard. People are struggling to be nice guys. People are just struggling to hold shit together. And then they all kind of learn a lesson from each other. Mm. And then yeah, so uh, uh, when you boil it down, it's just about mental health people's interpretations and people's own sort of personal shit so to speak yeah but that, that that's the type of reason why i love storytelling and movie forms because that I, I can get that in 90 minutes or two hours or two and a half hours depending on the film yeah and it's just that type of thing is just the reason why i love cinema i i don't yeah. know why else like i don't know any other format that does it as well as cinema because i think it has shorthand in a sense that you can just you see things visually and it, it speaks to you in a certain way um for example like i, I happen to be uh, i just finished watching uh the movie for 2001 a space odyssey recently watched mm. that for the first time um or a couple months ago and then that comes back into um is referenced in everything ever all at once with the flashback to like 100,000 bc um, but it's the Sausage Finger universe, <laughs> which is such a weird, weird sentence to say. <laughs> yeah, it's the Sausage the Finger. Dog, the, the Sausage Finger universe got such a laugh out of me that because I went to see it at the Hippodrome and Bonnes with my older brother, that the woman in front of me asked me if I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird, like it's such a good, like shot for shot recreation of stuff in two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, which is. Yeah. Um, I'm actually uh, listening to the audiobook for it just now. Um, mm. That part is about the the character is called Moonwatcher, and his story and the way they explain how he's thinking and how he's feeling as a proto-human is fascinating and it's fantastic. It's the best part of the book so far. Um, then to see that recreated with Stanley Kubrick vision is savage and brutal, and it's very that is the Kubrick way of doing it. And then to see it replaced with sausage finger and animals is fucking hysterical. <laughs> And then to come out of that, I have something to send you the link to the fucking Barbie movie, and the Barbie movie is parodying that part of two thousand one. I like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> How did we all just latch onto this thing at the same time? Because <laughs> it's such an iconic scene, such a, an important, like, interesting way of looking at the world in a weird, 
part of our past that we're never going to really connect to. But then, like, you have a master interpret it and make such an interesting, compelling, vivid scene that's kind of primal and brutal. And then we're now like, okay, but now with sausage fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think if you bought the special edition of Everything Ever All at Once in America, it came with rubber gloves that had the hot dog fingers on them. Fuck me, I want that so bad. <laughs> it, for, you can't buy it on Blu-ray or 4K in I just in want the, the gloves. <laughs> yeah. I want to go into work with the gloves and just put them into people's mouths. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you might be able to. <laughs> eBay might be a friend on that one. I, I, I can go there to eBay tonight and buy myself sausage finger gloves. And just walk into work tomorrow like, hello, <laughs> you've transported to the other universe. <laughs> Get this welcome. Uh, if you could hide it and then reveal it, so, like you have a, like a, like a couple of minutes of conversation where you just have your hands behind your back, eh, it's going yeah, not too bad. Uh, it wasn't too busy at the weekend, and you just pull out the sausage fingers and just point stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can you get me something from over there? <laughs> or you going to work? Put your bag down. You hang up your coat or your hoodie or whatever you're wearing. Then as soon as you take the hoodie off, you just got them and you're talking completely normally. You don't even address it. He's going to say, oh, so what did you do at the weekend? Pointing at the person opposite you with your digit, like your sausage digit. Yeah. <laughs> then just say, oh, you got something on your face and just wobble in front of them. <laughs> like people. I don't know if you saw this, but during, like, it's one of the flash scenes where they're, they're jumping rapidly through the other universes. But at one point, um, Jamie Lee Curtis has her sausage finger hand in Michelle Yeoh's mouth, and it's the most, like, phallic fucking shit. <laughs> it's like the whole sausage finger is, like, in her mouth. <laughs> I saw it. I'm like, what the fuck was that? I feel like I was just flashbanged with something I wasn't supposed to see. <laughs> but oh yeah, um, movies are great. <laughs> yeah, anything movies other, are good. Anything other than movies that are great? Uh, I mean, I want to talk about something that's not so great, and uh, it's still film related. So um, I feel like I can kind of squeeze this into the end of the the film discussion. Uh, Legendary Studios that made uh, Mortal Kombat, a film that you didn't even know had been released in uh, 2021, because of the success of that film, are making a Street Fighter film. Need I remind you fucks what happened the last time you made a Street Fighter film? You got The Legend of Chun-Li, which was... It could barely count as a Street Fighter film. It had M. Bison, who was some kind of weird drug lord. The only character that looked vaguely like any other character was Vega, played by the that dude from the Black Eyed Peas. And he was the only one that looked vaguely like any kind of Street Fighter character. Then before that, you got the cocaine nightmare of the 90s film, where Jean-Claude Van Damme was so high on cocaine, he doesn't even A, remember doing the movie, or B, banging Kylie Minogue on the set. <laughs> what a fucking chad. <laughs> like, I think, especially 90s era Kylie Minogue, right? I mean, she's still a very hot woman, but this was her peak of her powers. You'd remember that. <laughs> Unless you're Jean-Claude Van Damme. So Unless you're Jean-Claude Van Damme on mountains of cocaine. But yeah, they're, they're making another Street Fighter film, and I don't want it. I genuinely don't fucking want it. But it seems like I will just have to shut up and watch it roll out because they're making it in. And it's making me wonder what counts as success for a film nowadays if a, a, a film like Mortal Kombat that was accepted by fans and passed over by non-fans. How can that count as success? If if only enough people didn't hate it, that now counts as a successful film. I mean, 
the reaction to certain movies these days is vitriolic. So I wonder yeah, if the studio bar is now just that low. Because I, I, I know be, with yeah. uh, stuff like I mean, Velma's a bad example because it's all very kind of like it's left these right American politics stuff coming into it. But that is that was already pre-greenlit for a second season because it was going to be so successful because it was based on a previous IP. Is that maybe just like a factor like you get like if, if you need to get to like 10 points being based on a previous IP is by default 5 points. Yeah. Star power plus I, 2 points. Yeah, automatically think that using Velma, if you've got a legacy franchise, that's 5 points out of 10. And you've got big names like Glenn Howard and uh, fuck, what's her name? Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling, yeah, that's another 2 points there. You've, you're basically up 9 points on the premise alone. Yeah, it doesn't. The show doesn't need to be good for more to be made. All it needs to do is enough people need to watch it, and ratings need to be high enough because there was a lot of fucking people hate watching Velma. Yeah, I, I just I apparently really wants us to move away from the rebrand or the re kind of reimagining. Yeah, we're reimagining this for a modern period. I'm like, yeah, they wouldn't. Do we need yeah. to? Sometimes you just the only time I've ever heard of that work. And specifically using the phrasing, we're rebranding X for, you know, generation, you know, for millennials and shit like that, was when they decided to remake Voltron. And they said, we're remaking that for a new generation. All they did was they kept the story the same, but they just said, oh yeah, uh, this character, he's he's now gay. And this character, you know, is meant to be the bumbling goof. He now gets the hot alien uh, girlfriend. And the character that you all thought was just this weird androgynous uh, person, it's a woman. Deal with it. Story was still the same. They didn't, didn't make fun of anybody. They didn't do anything over the top and cheesy. They just remade it and changed a couple of things, and it worked. Like follow the Voltron. I mean, I would never go back and watch it because it's five seasons of the slowest burn you'll ever ever watch, and I don't want to go through that again. But I do agree with you that I'm getting sick of the whole we're rebranding this shit for a modern audience because X Men tried to do it as well with you know safe space and backpack and snowflake. <laughs> All these modern uh, X Men characters that had fitness Instagrams and one of them TikToks. I can't remember which one it was, but my favorite was the one who was affected by his grandfather's internet gas. And I'm like, what the fuck is internet gas? <laughs> yeah, explain to me what internet gas is before you expect me to buy anything that you're you're putting forward in this character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the like, backpack had the weirdest shittest power ever. He had a uh, basically a bag of holding on his back. Which, I mean, he, not bad, but cool power. Saying, you need to have, like, a good character who I want to see use that weird power. Yeah. It's not just be like, oh, so guys, you need a charger? Hold on, let me go into my bag and get you one. <laughs> so you, you're basically just, you're helpful in a crisis. Like, oh, I, I need a, three AAA batteries and a, an old shed key. Hold on, I have one. I, it feels like a Robot Chicken parody of a character rather than an actual character. Yeah, <laughs> like there's gonna be like Superman and Aquaman, <laughs> Batman all standing there going, "We need a key," and just uh, like a kid with a backpack comes along and just goes, "Wait a minute, I got it." <laughs> just pulls it Hold out on. back. <laughs> Hold on, gents, I have this. Like, oh Christ, who 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 let backpack in here? <laughs> Thanks, backpack. You're really one of the team. I <laughs> <laughs> imagine the backpack. You keep plugging away. You'll be in the Justice League eventually. 
second backpack's gone, fucking nerd. <laughs> just like, Jesus Christ. Only because his dad owns half of New York City to be like this guy in here. But yeah, uh, get, get, uh, I gotta get the joke out. <laughs> just, sorry, sorry, go for it, go for it. Just, uh, Batman just turns to Aquaman, I prefer the Make-A-Wish kids. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're quiet. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, right. Yeah, I was just going to say, basically getting back to the original point, stop remaking shit just for the sake of remaking shit. Try something new and inventive for fuck's sake. Velma didn't need to be this, you know, piece of shit character that you made her into. And Fred didn't need to be this white, rich moron that you made him. And, you know. It's funny because he can't cu- cut up steak because white privilege. What yeah. part of white privilege is not cutting up steak? Not seasoning yeah, think... the steak, sure, but not cutting up the steak. No. Yeah, bland steak is what the... <laughs> what they like. It's what we do best. <laughs> yeah. Although if someone gives me a bland steak, I'm going to fling it back at them. I, I honestly like the whole like white people don't season meat thing. I'm like, I, I agree to disagree on that one, sir. I, yeah. I Excuse cannot... me, I'm Scottish. We've been putting salt and pepper on everything for decades. I cannot eat anything without paprika. It is a dietary requirement. I do not know where I picked it up. <laughs> yep. I, I just, I'm very genetically opposed to bland foods. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just be a Scottish thing. Yeah, I uh, speaking of blind motherfuckers, can we talk about how much I hate Twitter now? <laughs> okay, I thought we were done with that, but what, what have you found new to frustrate you? Did we talk about Twitter? We did the opening, the opening bit. Oh, yeah, fuck Twitter. Hey. <laughs> Just here, let's talk about something positive, man. You know what? It's been an hour, it's your early reminder to say fuck Twitter, and one yeah. hour remind ourselves later on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this podcast is brought to you by fuck Twitter. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, you have been playing Resident Evil 4, haven't you? Yes, I have, and I've got to say, I, you know, massive shock to anyone who listens to this podcast, but I fucking loved it. Uh, it was one of those games where as soon as I finished one playthrough, I went straight back for another, and I'm currently playing it through on the harder difficulties just now. And they kind of did everything I wanted them to. They cut out certain things, but it was things that I knew they were going to cut anyway just to make sense within the, the game itself. Like, there's a, a part in the original game where you have to go through a wa- a bridge that's got swinging axes going through it. I'm like, cool gameplay segment, but in reality, no evil Banish Castellan is going to have that. Yeah, it's so too it makes evil sense. Yeah, they cut that out. Uh, you fight a boss that's hanging in this weird cage container area. They got rid of that because, again, how the fuck did they get those cages there? the boss itself is probably going to reappear in one of the DLC boss fights. So I'm not too bothered about that. Uh, They make Ashley actually bearable. Uh, Before she was kind of just a bit bland, a bit kind of, you know, I can still do it, pay attention to me type of character. And she was loud. (laughs) And this, she's still quite loud, but it's more of a, she gets the assignment in the sense that if you're in a quiet area, she'll go, Leon! And she'll talk to you. Yeah. She'll try and get your attention a bit quieter. It's not just uh, generic anime uh, damsel in the chest. Leon, no, help me, please, Leon! <laughs> yeah, that shit. And uh, in general, I just think they made the character a bit better. Uh, she still wants Leon. She still wants to jump on that ride. Uh, Who doesn't? Though? But but yeah, uh, she builds up to it a bit more. Uh, 
there's a character in the original uh, RE4 called Luis Serra who just shows up, says that he's a police officer from Madrid, gets you medicine to stop the infection that you have from progressing anymore, and then just dies, right? <laughs> they don't do a lot with him in the original. Basically, what I've told you is exactly what happens. He shows up, he fights by your side in this kind of defense uh, level that you do. You have to shoot all these oncoming infected. And then he disappears saying, oh, I, I need to go and get something. And you ask, why are you doing this? He says, oh, because it makes me feel better. They genuinely give him some character and some backstory in the remake, saying that he is a former Umbrella scientist who helped create the infection or the, the organism that is causing the infection in this uh, area. And he's basically helping Leon because, you know, he caused this, he's going to try and remedy it. And 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 giving him a bit more character, they actually make him a, a lot better. He still dies at a certain point, but you actually give a shit about him dying now because, like, ah, shit. He was actually going out of his way to help you. Yeah, it's not just like a plot progression character where he shows up, does his thing, drops dead, like, 30 seconds yeah. later. Because in the original, Leon would go, oh, man, I'm going to get... When... Uh, Luis, is, uh, Luis is lying dead in front of you because he's been killed by the big bad you go up and you push A over his body and Leon says god damn it these people are going to pay for what they did to you Luis and you're like why? why are you that bothered about him? <laughs> it's, it's on par with press F to pay respects like, it's just, this yeah. doesn't mean anything it's, what are you doing? Yeah, this means absolutely nothing but at least when you do it in RE4 Remake there's a reason behind it because Luis has saved your ass on multiple occasions and you've actually gotten fight by his side more than once that's good uh, so yeah, there's there's uh, good shit behind them. Uh, Ada Wong still just shows up to swing the hips in front of you and make you, you know, try and follow her and do whatever the hell you want. I have no notes. And... That's a perfect game experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this in this one, they kind of realize right. Ada, her primary thing with Leon is literally just she puts Leon so much on the back foot that it messes with Leon's head, and she just does that quite frequently in this one. Before she just kind of, in the original, she shows up and just kind of distracts Leon. But in this one, she's just more of a voice in the ears, like, uh, more of the voice in the ear saying things like, you know, she's infected. You can just leave her. She's going to die anyway. Let me know what you think. And then she fucks off. Then that sends Leon into some kind of spiral and it's like, well, I could just fuck off and leave her. Uh, but then as the game progresses, you're like, nah, either fuck you, I'm going to. I'm going to find her because I'm I'm the superhero, and you keep this shit going. But Ada, her whole thing with Leon is just, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that annoying voice in the back of your head that's going to question every thought you have, because you know you're the good boy, but you're a good distraction. So you help me out. I'm going to let you do your own thing. And uh, in all honesty, Ada Wong. Probably up there in terms of just evil villain waifus. So the, the red dress and thigh high boots definitely helps her. The best waifus are the evil waifus, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Dark haired, evil, red clad waifus. But uh, yeah, she still she helps you out in a few bits. So I'm I'm all for Ada Wong showing up in Resident Evil games as long as it's not Resident Evil Six. Uh, the main issue that I have with the game is actually kind of Leon. Uh, He's still the superhero. Like he's still, you know, the hero of the game, and he still acts that way. But there's kind of less personality to him, and he there's less one-liners and quips from him. He still has a few, but it's ones that you already know. 
I, I like the arrogance of the original RE4 Leon. Yeah. But it just seems like they've toned it down a bit and there's a lot less personality to him, which is a shame, but at the same time, everything else about the game is fucking phenomenal, so I, I don't really care. And they also expand on the game a bit more as well. In the original, you had a knife fight through uh, quick time events with a character called Krauser, who's uh, basically the guy that trained Leon when he was working for the American government. He taught him how to fight. Uh, in the original game, it was just a you know push X or mash X to stop Krauser from stabbing you in the shoulder, that kind of thing. In this one, they actually let you play out the fight, and all the way through it. Leon's like, Major Krauser, you're one of the good guys. What the fuck is happening here? It's like, oh, you're always too slow and they'll take Leon and, you know, I'm here because the American government sucks balls and I'm going to make them pay or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually get to play out the knife fight and it's it's pretty rewarding because before it was just five quick time events. Now it's actually a pretty long, drawn-out uh, fight. You still use your knife because, I mean, he doesn't have any other weapons. All he's got is his knife on him so you can you meet him like for like. And it's genuinely a lot of fun. Uh, I'm having a hell of a lot of fun with the game. Mercenaries mode is always is a blast, where it's just you have this amount of ammo, this amount of time, kill as many dudes as you can before time runs out. Hmm. I was going to see the, uh, the like the final fight with the Major Cruiser. It's not like a machismo thing where it's like, I've got a knife and you've got a gun. Let's have a fair fight, shall we? And all of a sudden you've both got knives. It's not one of those, is it? No, it's not It's not one of those. Leon can still use knives. Right. They still use guns if he wants. But it's just he gets up that close to you you kind of don't really have enough time to go for your gun you basically the best way to do it is parry him wait until he gets far enough away then pull out your gun hmm. okay. but yeah i think you always deal a bit more damage using the knife anyway so it's better just to use the knife against them i uh i've been playing my own zombie survival game but i'm oh, cheating. Cool. i'm cheating uh <laughs> i'm playing uh dead island um, I saw that the second one has been announced and that there's a trailer yeah. for Dead Island 2. And I was like, oh, interesting. I, I don't remember ever completing Dead Island 1. I remember Riptide coming out, which was technically a sequel, but they didn't call it Dead Island 2, so this one's called Dead Island 2. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'll go see how much it is. The entire like franchise so far is £20 on Steam. <laughs> Jesus. Remastered in a definitive edition. Bye. <laughs> I have already started Yeah. It. Um, but when I'm on again, I notice there's one punch version unlocked, and I'm like, "The fuck is this?" And it is exactly what you think it is. It is. It's not quite God mode, but you're playing every hit as a critical hit. Ah. Uh, only for you. <laughs> so I'm walking. Wait, so around. you can dish out criticals I, all the time? Uh huh. I dish out criticals with ragdoll effects. It is awesome. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit, and it takes. A, a very uh like it was a very tense survival game uh when it first came out because especially mm. on uh like console because you're kind of slow to begin with and you've got to memorize a lot of systems that are built into this whole like mechanics and it was i remember playing it on xbox and be like this is fucking this is intense but now i'm just like i don't give a shit just walking through like wind windmilling my hands at hordes of zombies and just ragdolling <laughs> them off to the sky um I'm actually playing. If you get caught, it's your own fault. <laughs> I'm actually playing as uh, one of the girls, so I'm doing mm -hmm. like these awesome like spinning kick or these awesome like kicks in high heels that just send people halfway across the map. <laughs> just so stupid, but it's a lot of fun. Nice. I want to get to like guns and stuff later on, but um, I it's not 
it's described as one punch mode, which I was assuming was going straight like Saitama, one punch man. Yeah. Um, it's not against regular zombies. It is, but against uh, bigger guys, it takes a couple hits. But we're talking like a ten minute beatdown versus like ten hits. It's yeah. a totally different fight. Um, it's a lot of fun. It was. It was honestly. It was. I was playing my way through some of it. I was like, this game map and the game development is so good. Um, I know the trailer and the marketing controversy for Riptide threw a lot of people off the game series, but it was was very, very well made in terms of a yeah. game. Uh, I have heard, I had heard bad things about uh, the Dead Island series because I remember getting Dead Island One on the PS3. Yeah, didn't hear nothing but bad shit about it. I, I think, and then when it came to Riptide, I just avoided it altogether. I think it suffers from being not left for dead. And yeah. being, um, it's kind of first-person parkour games weren't quite as good as you remember them being in your head. Um, yeah, like uh, Mirror's Edge was good. That was the Nintendo one, I think, or the PlayStation one. But Mirror's was, Edge was. It was just three sixty, I think. Yeah, that was all parkour, no gun. No, wait, you could use guns. You could steal people's guns, and you could do a bit of like uh, combat gun stuff. Cutter. But it was it was mostly about the the free running experience, yeah. Um, but then like this was just it wasn't Left 4 Dead, it wasn't Mirror's Edge, it was wasn't quite trying to be both, and it wasn't the game. It felt like a, the Ubisoft version of what's that game where you're stuck in the mall, and you're just Dead like, Rising. Dead Rising. It was trying to yep. be like those three games all shoved in one. It didn't quite work as well as they thought it did, and everyone's got that weird kind of Ubisoft face. Where they try and talk to you and stare at you, and it's like I, you can't just stare me to death. Like you can't look yeah. at me like this. <laughs> Treat me like a person, fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's a lot of fun so far, and obviously playing it on one punch mode is just. I'm making a mockery of the zombie survival genre. Put it that way. <laughs> I'll try and if you're watching the YouTube version, I'll try and throw some footage up here. But it is uh, is well worth a look if you've got like a spare bit of time and money. It's not that bad, and I'm hoping the second one. Obviously, we're now. This is like I want to say it's like 10, 15 years since the original uh, Dead Island was released. It's you know, there's yeah, plenty I think of, so. It's been a while. Plenty of new material to work with in terms of like how games have changed, how uh, games have evolved, and parkour has yeah. become a lot better in games. Graphics are a lot better. I mean, if you want to return to Benoit, go for it. But I mean, you could set this series basically anywhere. So, yeah, I, I think um, I'll be looking at the second one when it comes out, but I was like, I should play through the first one and Riptide before I start. And it also turns out there was a, a like an 8-bit arcade or 16-bit arcade game thing that they made. I'm like, I'd never heard of this before, so I've got that as well. Yeah, I remember seeing that as well. I've got some time off coming up so I can just sit and play through. But I, I'm starting to enjoy because you used to, like, when you were a kid, you would just sit down and you just play video games for like 8 hours straight. And yeah. people would come to me like, have you not moved? you like, shit, I haven't actually, like, I've not done anything. I've just sat here playing my video game. And yeah. I, I can now tap back into that for some games. I just have to, I, I felt it for, like, Far Cry 5 and mm. Far Cry New Dawn, where I would just zone out and just be in the zone, hunting people and hunting, like, bears and stuff like that for hours on end and just, like, enjoying it. Um, Although, to be fair, when you're hunting bears with a 50 cal, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing quite like winding up the shot and realizing oh, it doesn't matter if I hit the head. <laughs> yeah. It's a fifty cal. <laughs> yeah, fifty cal hit anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was. It, it's it's fun, and I'm enjoying getting back into the gaming side of things. It's 
like I have to leave either the gaming side, the movie side, or like the the anime TV side. I, I can't have all three running at the same time. Um, mm. I, I feel like I've got I'm enjoying a shift because I, I like to cycle back between like podcasts and audiobooks and music, and I do the same thing with visual media as well. So I'm getting to shift yeah. back into games, which is a lot of fun because spend all the money on like a console or a gaming PC, you should, you know make the most of it. But I'll I'll see if we can get Resident Evil remake because I I did grab number five I want to say mm. I think I have number yeah. five on Steam. Uh, were we not playing that at one point? Was it? I think the plan was to try and play it. Yeah. Um, at some I, point, but I can't fucking remember. I, I tried playing it on PC, and I, I'm not playing that game on PC. I'm playing it with a controller. Like no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't play that game with a keyboard. Not happening. Um. Like one of the guys in my Pathfinder group, he is playing it on PC with mouse and keyboard, and I just said, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> went, oh, it works. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Just play it with a controller, you I, bastard. I would play it as a bet. Like, I, I bet you can't do this. I, I bet I can't, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the only way I would play Resident Evil with a mouse and keyboard, and someone said, bet you couldn't. Fucking watch me. <laughs> I think, though, that you have enough experience with that franchise that you could probably pull off at least half a game. Yeah, probably. I want to do it, but I probably could. <laughs> uh, so we're back from a break and looking at the list of topics we've got to talk about. Um, you dug out uh, the old Berserk anime, the one from the 90s. Yeah. The one with the killer soundtrack. Just, yeah, the one with the, the really, really good soundtrack. Although, still to this day, I'm probably going to be heresy saying this out loud, but I, I'm not a big fan of the opening closing music. It's a bit odd. When you consider the rest yeah. of Berserk tone, I think most of it fits uh, in a kind of broad fantasy sense, but that one just feels like I, I don't know why, but like when I have that opening for Berserk play, I want to have like a whiskey in my hand and just roll on some dice. I have no idea why. Yeah. It just makes me want to gamble. <laughs> what it huh? is. Fair enough. I just was never a big fan. I didn't think it really matched the tone of the show all that well. Then again, the. Uh, the 2016-2017 uh, openings were just weird metal nonsense. Wasn't a big fan of them. But I, uh, the only reason, I, the main reason I dug out my copy of the the Blu-ray is because I've been reading the. I first, I finally started reading the Berserk manga. Uh, I think I, I say just started. I picked up the book at the beginning of the week and I burned through about twenty thirty pages. I was like, I kind of want to watch the anime again. So I dug at the anime, and you know I'm a sucker for fucking getting through a set with a yarn. <laughs> I'm a sucker for the old 90s animation, and seeing that shine, given the shine, and boosted up to HD makes it all the better, and Berserk is no fucking exception. It looks phenomenal in, in 4K. Although I, I am now noticing little differences in things that shouldn't be in the anime, or there should be one way in the anime, but actually a completely different way. Yeah. For example, uh, in the very first episode, because I know you you do the whole skip episode, skip to episode two, then watch episode one at the end. I can't be bothered with that. That's uh, that seems like uh, effort. <laughs> so I was watching episode one, and I was like, "Did he just say King Griffith?" and because at that point in the Black Swordsman arc, Griffith is fucking years or, or she's, he's a bit away from becoming king. And then 
uh, as Guts is walking into the village and the carriage is pulling away from him. It's like, where the fuck's Puck? Yeah, Puck just does not appear at all in that original anime. Yeah. Um, he's there pretty early in the, is shown at least, in yep. the uh, the Golden Age arc stuff. And then he's he's present in the games and present in the, the series of which we do not speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, yeah, he just he's just not there because it's it's too much to explain the fairy side of things. If you're not yeah. going to get into the Black Swordsman arc and the Lost Children arc and stuff like that, it's just yeah. kind of not worth it unless you're doing that. Yeah, unless you're building up to all that shit, you really, really don't need them there. Although the idea that it's maybe not King Griffith, I maybe it is. I think he he could be. Because by that point, if you've got demon lords as like lord level characters in the setting, that means that Griffith has combined demonic and human armies, and he's yeah. basically king, if not in name, he's the king. He's the one in charge from that point of view. Um, basically, immediately after that battle, because that's after Ganeshka's dead, he's like in charge. Yeah. Run, he might not be a king in name, but he's running it. Yeah. Although, from what I've heard, it is quite literally just a. Uh... It's an error from translation or something like that. Griffith is known at this point, but this is well before Ganeshka even comes on the scene. So I think it is just a case of the dub not being up to scratch. Ah, 90s dubs. <laughs> yeah, who gives a shit? It's still fucking phenomenal. I still absolutely love that uh, that anime. And it's kind of made me want to read through more of the books. Fucking hell. <laughs> this episode's getting cut short, kids. Yeah, don't know what it is. Like, I, I, if anybody's listening to me yawning constantly, I get enough sleep. <laughs> don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. Maybe I just need more water or sunlight or sunlight-based water or something. I don't fucking know. But yeah, more having a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, more electrolytes, uh, more energy drinks, caffeine. But uh, yeah, uh, if you can find the the Blu-ray version of Berserk, pretty sure it's only on Amazon for about twenty quid. Just grab it. I have the DVDs, but I think uh, an upgrade is now well overdue. Yeah, absolutely. I've got the Blu-rays for the Golden Age arc, and I bought those sight unseen. So, yeah, I bought the I bought the first one, and that was a special edition. And then for the price, for half the price that I paid for the special edition, I found all three because the special edition was sixteen pounds. I was going to say I bought all three of them in one big disc. It's all in one case. And yeah. It was, Pretty cheap. I'm like, this is way too cheap. Yeah, I got mine through CX. I bought the first one, and it was twelve pound. And I was like, all right, this is cool. It's got a little art book and stuff like that. And then I seen all three of them and another CX the following week. I'm like, this is only six quid. I'm buying this. <laughs> yeah. So I don't care that I have two copies of uh, the first Berserk movie. I got them stupidly cheap. Hmm. I also have two copies of Daredevil Volume One. I have two copies of. Uh, fuck's his name? Snyder's Batman. Not Zack Snyder. I don't know why I instantly went to Zack Snyder. But there was a Snyder that wrote a Batman series, the Court of Owls series. I have two copies of Batman Court of Owls. So yeah, I'm 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 the kind of person that will buy more than one thing accidentally. <laughs> I did the same thing when collecting Dragon Ball Z DVDs. I have two volumes <laughs> of the Freezer Saga. <laughs> The orange boxes. I'm like, I don't know why I bought a second copy of this. <laughs> uh, 
It's uh, I'm glad you went back to it because it's it's a fun nostalgic watch. It it definitely has yeah. moments that's sort of that time, but the same like it's one of those examples of it's the best of that time of anime. Yeah, it's just something about I I do kind of enjoy four by three video a bit more now. I don't know, it's some YouTubers are starting to incorporate it into videos. Mm. Uh, where the video is made in a 4x3 format and YouTube will give it the 4x3 like box shape rather right. than like try to compensate and give it like a 16x3 with bars on the side. Yeah, rather with a widescreen. And it's like, oh, that's it's nice that you got that. Um, I mean, yeah. you can go full screen and get those bars, but like if you if you go to just like have the video in a normal player, it fits perfectly on a YouTube setup. Yeah, go for that native resolution. It's kind of old school, but I, I really like the uh, the colors and shadows in Berserk mm. when you do that old school animation. So I'm definitely going to pick up the uh, the Blu-ray then. See how much I can get it for. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Uh, just because I've been reading the the books, I was like, you know what, I can wait to go back and watch the anime. So when I finish watching the anime, it will probably happen way before I finish reading the manga. It'll probably make me go more into the manga and read that because uh, after multiple attempts of trying to read the Itchy Tasty book about Resident Evil, I've basically come to the, the conclusion that I, I don't really need to finish it, because all the stuff that's in this book, I kind of already know. It's a book about Resident Evil, and I've been playing Resident Evil since I was about six. <laughs> so, all this shit I already know, and rereading stuff like that for fun just isn't, just isn't fun, quite frankly. So, I've moved on to other books, and Every chance I might be bankrupting myself buying more Berserk to Lux novels, but uh, yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm more, yeah, more into Berserk now. Uh, my collection has slightly grown of Berserk manga since last time we spoke. Uh, I have volumes one, two, and thirteen. Nice, <laughs> nice. Purely because a uh, volume thirteen was going for stupidly cheap on Forbidden Planet. It was only about twenty quid, and I was like, having that. I, I really like Forbidden Planet, now that you've kind of like pointed me in the right direction for that place. I just, I love the idea that there's a room of manga that is just waiting for me to read it. Fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not going to be cheap, it's not going to be pleasant, you're going to get some weird looks walking around that place, but at the same time, kind of dig it. Um, yeah. You, to, you just have to avoid the, the section of like the dolls and the, the statues, because it's like, I like a lot of the series you have here, and I like a lot of the characters you have here. I don't know if I like them enough to have a, a, like, a tiny statue version of them sitting on my desk at all times. Like that's just like another level that I'm not. I'm very close to being there, but I'm not quite there yet. Fucking Vodafone internet man just cut out right after you said dolls and statues. <laughs> anyway, basically, I don't think I'm ready to be that level. We have the the statue collection. It gets expensive fast, and it's oh, yeah. it's just a statue. Like that's part. Of, I don't know if it's the problem, but like, it, like I want a doll or a, actually, there's an androids which would be like posable, but beyond yeah. that, kind of like ah, I just don't think I want to have that in my house. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to tell me. Um, I am. I it's been very well discussed on this show. It's, it's very well worn territory that I will collect comic books. Blu-rays and DVDs and video games. Mm -hmm. uh, I will buy the occasional Gundam kit, but I draw the line at toys and statues. Purely because 
I'm going to die one day. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to have to walk in here, and I will not be around to explain why you can see up her skirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be around to explain why I have, you know, all the horror icons, and that, or by Kotobukiya when they did the, you know, the sexy anime girl versions of horror icons. I don't want to tell any. I don't want to have to write a note saying this is their version of Michael Myers. She is very busty, and she has this <laughs> that mask on the side of her head. I swear to Please. God, I did not jerk off on this. <laughs> yeah, that is that is blood. Uh, don't ask why it's white. It is meant to be blood. It was censored for Japanese law. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, that was okay, but blood wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm going to die one day. I don't want someone to come in and say, oh, look, he had that, he had this. Also, the more money that I spend on buying cool shit to decorate my house, the less money I have buying the less money I have to buy cool shit that I can then read, watch, and play. So, like you said, how, making a conscious decision about, you know, I can either watch anime, read manga, play video games, or watch a film. You can't really have a toe, and you can't really dip in each one, and now you have to kind of be hardcore one or the other. I made a conscious decision not to buy cool figurines, because I know for a fact well, as you get older, you kind of buy shit that you couldn't get when you were younger. And as a young man who was into comics, I wanted the toys. I know for a fact I'll go full tilt fucking bozo and buy all the cool toys as an older man with a bit of disposable cash. So I've had to stop myself. Say, right, I'm only going to buy books and DVDs because they can be resold a bit easier than niche statues. Because, And also... They're fucking expensive anyway. If you have a look at the cool sideshow collectible stuff, it's about nine hundred dollars a statue. I'm not gonna you lie. You know how many? You know how many volumes of books that is? I'm looking at the the sexy horror icons and smash every single one of them. Just Jesus Christ! <laughs> why? Why is Chucky hot? <laughs> who, who asked? To further mess with your dreams and drive up the cost of your therapy. <laughs> Ash. I assume it's still called Ash because it's Williams, yeah. Ashley. Ashley Williams. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 Sir, that is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I should not feel that way about Bruce Campbell. <laughs> no man should feel that way about Bruce fucking Campbell. <laughs> oh, that's messed up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. For me, it's the, the Jason Voorhees one. That one in my head is associated. I've seen a cosplayer dress up as that character, and it's just in my head, it's like, I am having weird thoughts about Jason Voorhees. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I need to close that window. <laughs> yeah. It's too, the Michael Myers one is kind of funny and kind of cute at the same time. <laughs> All of it is messed up, and I kind of fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, back to Berserk. Vaguely, yeah, um, yeah. I I can't wait to hear. Like, we returning that series is good, and yeah. the I I I know they've cut a lot from the manga, and it, but they cut more from the later half of it. And yeah, I'm, I'm okay with all of it to be honest. What they cut, I understand why they cut it. You'll kind of grow to appreciate what they actually managed to pull off, though. Mm-hmm. Like what they actually managed to get working is fantastic. Um, 
and by the way, in the time we took out a little break so Dom could fix something, in the time we took the break, I've ordered the Berserk Blu-rays. <laughs> nice. Also ordered, That's fucking dedication, people. Also ordered the Helsing Blu-rays as well, because I have the DVDs. I want to mm. see that up to full HD, because that is a gorgeous show. That's to do a madhouse on crack, just dunking yeah. on everyone. <laughs> the fantastic series, and I would say the Team Four Star version uh, for like Helsing Abridged is just so iconic mm. in terms of like internet culture. Just oh, chef's kiss the entire way through. But yeah. uh, I, I still really enjoy the original. Uh, I want to go back to that series because the ending of that show is just a complete mindfuck. Um, because it involves people starting to like both existing and non-existing, and like Schrodinger's cat <laughs> with Dracula. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? I have no yeah. idea. But it's um, it was a fascinating end to a show that like really one of the first times that anime kind of like caught me really off guard. Because mm. um, I was I'm kind of used to it now. Where like we start off as like a high school kid, and then by the end of it, we're fighting God for control of a waifu. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm so used to this. It's kind of blase now. But it's um, now it, like that was still one of those first kind of like, oh my God, what are we doing? Uh, yeah. What the hell is this show up to? It was um, it was a fun show. I remember it fondly, and I I would love to see uh, you know, just I would love to see and hear Helsing just kicking off that massive fucking cannon. Yeah, but in HD. Yeah, and any day now I will complete my Hel my Helsing Ultimate Collection with the Ultimate Helsing uh part of the unofficial canon, at least for me anyway, the Vampire Hunter D and Bloodless as well. I need that in a Blu-ray. Yeah, I have Vampire Hunter D on Blu-ray. Oh. And I got that through all the anime. And it was literally uh one of my one of my friends from D D said, hey, you like Vampire Hunter D, don't you? I was, yes. Fucking one of the greatest uh, anime films of all time. Oh, it's getting a Blu-ray re-release. Link, please now. And I bought it there. There and then. <laughs> there and then, sight unseen, I want it done. <laughs> yeah. Because that film looked good on DVD. Honestly, fucking stellar looking on Blu-ray. I, uh, now, I, this is the silence that you're experiencing, listeners. That's Colin Googling all the anime so he can find Vampire Hunter D and Blu-ray. As if I don't have it bookmarked. <laughs> I, 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 I was a bad friend showing you all the anime. I, I really appreciate you pointing me in that direction, but at the same time, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a bad person. <laughs> you know, if you had to show me that, we could be going out to dinner having drinks and stuff like that at any point just to hang out. Nah. Oh. <laughs> There's no money for that anymore. You go straight to all yeah. the anime. <laughs> it was... Uh, I think the last thing I bought was... People ask me, why don't you hang around with Colin anymore? It's like, well, he doesn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> He's poor. I hang around with broke bitches. <laughs> uh, the last thing I bought was a special edition of <laughs> a 45-minute uh, video uh, called Summer Ghost, which was fan-fucking-tastic. And I, I realized that with that order, I pre-ordered another special edition for a thing I've never seen before because it was there, and I was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, why not? I just impulse buy this weird like niche anime. I'm like, yeah, I'll have that please and that please. Although it did let me get my hands on uh, Memories, which is a compilation of short stories which features the first animated directorial debut of Satoshi Kon. So that right. gets added to the list of Satoshi Kon stuff I need to watch again and again. I get the point. Because yeah. I did read his manga for Opus. I don't remember if we talked about this on the show before, but that was a very interesting read. And in the context of it being an unfinished work, and the version I have 
including the unfinished chapters, which discuss unfinished work. It's really meta in a very good way. <laughs> like it dissolves almost like it goes from like top tier art to just dissolving into like sketches and like stick figures and like rough blocking and package like stuff like that. And you're like, oh, that's uh, that a bit real there at the end. <laughs> With even the book questioning what's reality anymore, and you're like, oh boy, this is. <laughs> Let me just sit down and figure this out. Sit down, have a think. Um, what was real though? Um, was I was at concerts recently, and I've been getting back into concerts this year because the lockdown really did isolate to the point where like it was just me sitting by myself in this flat, going to work, and then coming back to work, coming back. But we're going back to the gym it was like a whole thing. It was a whole like it was a whole new experience again going back to the gym after months off during lockdown. But going back to gigs for the first time this year has been fun. I mean, there's been some um some downsides. Uh, for example, I was severely ill after uh going to see Bad Wolves. But at the same time it was worth it because I got to go see Bad Wolves. So, yeah. you know. Bit of a trade off, but worth it. Um I think get to talk about uh, Beast in Black the last time we recorded. I don't know if we just I can't remember the recording times and the gig time, but I got to see Beast in, Beast in Black just to yeah. tie it to the Berserk thing. Um, fantastic. I was worried that uh, like with the vocal range that's required for those songs, some of it would get lost. Um, it doesn't matter because the Scottish crowd will just sing the rest for you. Um, it was really good. and They said they would be back soon. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> how soon are we talking about? Like, because um, obviously they're, they're touring with the uh, their cyberpunk album, yeah, um, which is very good. Um, but I, I just like, I was wondering, they're actually playing for two nights in Tokyo, and the tour is called Two Nights in Tokyo. I'm like, brilliant, <laughs> genius, top beam. Um, but they, they, they apparently said they're going to come back. So the second that there's tickets available for that, I'm like grabbing people and be like, hey, we're going on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's very good. Uh, and then like a week or two ago, I went to see Bloodywood. Um, Bloodywood are touring yeah. Europe and stuff at the moment. I think they're back um, in India for a couple of weeks and then they're going off to America in a couple of months. And if you're in America and you get the chance to see Bloodywood, go and see them. That is one of the most intense live shows I've seen in ages. It was just like normally you'll find it is very kind of one sided as to who's got more energy, the crowd or the the band. It was absolutely neck and neck the entire time, and then both sides are just pushing each other further and further and further. Um, but yeah, it was it was really good. I, I was again worried that like Rahul's voice, uh, like rapping I, for me at least. Rapping is about the message and the words and the delivery and the uh, like, kind of almost like the enunciation. So if you miss words, you'd miss the point. And then like backing a rapper with a metal band, especially a heavy metal band like Bloodywood, where like, if you ever just listen to what the drummer is doing in those tracks, he's a fucking beast. Yeah. <laughs> and when he's just fucking around on the drums to like fill in a bit of space between like songs, is a bit like every now and again you get the kind of like just the drums, just like the double bass kind of rattle away as fast as you can. This guy was just doing it at like several hundred beats per second. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I didn't know drums could be played that fast, but shit. way to go. Um but I was worried that like you combine like uh rap with a message with metal, but it doesn't quite come out right on speakers. 
No, they. I think they have. They they highlighted the fact that they have their own sound guy that comes with them to make it sound right, and that guy earns his fucking pay every night. It is unreal how good they sound live. Um, I mean, like, if you've been in Scottish Eggs, you've you've heard the "Here we, here we, here we fucking go" chant. Yeah, that normally gets done about once a night. Bloody <laughs> was good at five songs in a row. It was just like, right, come on, let's see what you've got. <laughs> As you can tell, you're a good gig. If you hear "Here we fucking go" five times over the night. Yeah. Um. I mean, I had to tell you the dimensions, but with Beast in Black, they were touring with Firewind, which is uh, it's Gush G's band. Hmm. Uh, Gush G being like a former uh, what, uh Sabbath, uh, technically, um, yeah. former Ozzy Osbourne guitarist. And but Bloodywood toured with a, a band called North Atlas, who I'd never heard before. But like, I'll give them a go at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Always looking for new music. But when they're touring in the United States, they're taking Bended, and that's Corey Taylor's kid. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think that voice was genetic, but yeah, it is. <laughs> it's uh it's an interesting band. It's, it's they're quite good. You know, it's it's the kids. You know, it's kids coming up making their own music, which is always interesting. And then you realize, oh wait. They're younger than I am. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Fuck them just... and they're burgeoning success. Yeah. Successful bastards. Yeah. Pricks making money. Hmm. Yeah. Um, talking about uh, comic books, as we always do, as we are wont to do on this show, uh, I'm always on the lookout for new shit. And as you as you know well by now, I'm a huge fan of a guy called Chip Zdarsky. Who, I thought you were going to say I'm a huge fan of a guy called Batman. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan of a gentleman called Batman. Uh, so this guy, Chips Zdarsky, he's been uh, writing Daredevil fucking brilliantly. Uh, his run on Daredevil comes to an end in August. So we'll probably get Daredevil Volume 9, which I think is the last one, if it's coming around about August time. Around about that time. And that kind of brings to close his uh, run on Daredevil and Electra. But he has also started doing a, a run of Batman for DC. So naturally, I, I needed to check this out. I was watching a... I uh, can't remember what YouTube channel it was. It was a... It wasn't Comics Explained. I'll try and find... They are my elevator pitch for this week. So I'll, I'll find the uh, find the YouTube link and I'll chuck it up there. But they were doing a breakdown of a book called Batman Failsafe, which is... Obviously, by Chip Zdarsky, I do not know who the, the artist is, even though the book is sitting fucking millimetres away from me. But um, I'm pretty sure Chip Zdarsky is now just writing books specifically for me, right? Because he's written, <laughs> he's written a fucking stellar Daredevil run, and now he's writing a very, very fucking good Batman run. And the whole concept behind Batman Failsafe is... And uh, it, it kind of ties back into another Justice League of America book called uh, Tower of Babel, right? Which is about it's been turned into an animated film film called Justice League Doom, wherein Batman his computer gets hacked, and uh, they a group called the Legion of Doom because you know uh, they needed a name for an evil version of the Justice League, so Legion of Doom. Uh, they hack Batman's computer and find these contingency plans for each member of the Justice League. Uh, oh yeah, I remember this one. Yeah, and uh, it ends. It ends with Batman basically kicking himself out of the Justice League of America, and 
Superman asks him, like, you're so arrogant to assume that if any single one of us go over the uh, went rogue, yeah, we would need some kind of containment or contingency plan put in place. But you're so arrogant that you didn't put one in place for yourself. You know, where's the failsafe for Batman? And Batman says, you know, I had one. It's the Justice League. Then he teleports away from the uh, the Watchtower. Turns out in later issues, Batman actually did build himself a failsafe. I was um, going to say, I think I've seen bits where like he has a contingency plan for himself, and it's like use psychological torture on him. <laughs> no, if if only it was so so. Route one is psychological torture. It is literally he builds an indestructible robot called Failsafe because you don't need a better name than that. <laughs> uh, this robot has it's been built using a a thing called nth metal, which is you know. DC's version of adamantium vibranium. It's unbreakable mythical metal. Um, it has the combat data from Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman all put in it. It has kryptonite knives. It can tap into any uh, surveillance system. It's basically all the skills of the Justice League distilled into one robot that's indestructible, has no compassion, it works purely on logic, and it activates when it looks like uh, Batman has killed the penguin. Uh, basically, he's chasing. He, he chases the penguin down to a hospital or something like that. Finds out, uh, and, and through talking to him, penguin says something like, "Yeah, you're not going away from this this one, Batman." And he takes a suicide pill, and that's what kicks failsafe off. And it basically is a a battle through all of Gotham. The entire Bat family get involved, and you know, even even a enlist Superman because, you know, it's it's a super strong creation. Maybe Superman can help fight it. No, that's when you find out that he's got fucking kryptonite wrist blades. And it's all basically this quite arrogant story of Batman. It was like, well, if the Justice League can't kill me, I'm going to make something that the Justice League can't kill to kill me. <laughs> In a kind of weird <laughs> bragging type of way. Like, oh, the Justice League can't kill this robot, this, but this robot can fight me. And if they try and interfere and save me, that'll be able to take them out as well. So this entire thing could have been like stopped by him having like one of those uh what's call it the is that thing where the people have their like exploding claws on their neck? If Batman just had one of those from yeah. uh, Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If it just had something that regulated all of his movement, but it sounds kinda of weird, but the way it's written is genuinely so cool to my mind. And the fact that it brings in all the other bat members of the Bat family is pretty cool. And of course, Chips Zdarsky, I'm pretty sure he could write the phone book and it would seem interesting to me at this point. The guy's just prolific when it comes to comic book writing. So I am eagerly awaiting more in the the Batman's failsafe comic book line. And it will be very expensive to probably keep up with Berserk, Daredevil, and Batman at this point. But fuck it. That's what money's for. Can't take it with you. I can't take it with you. Might have none left to take with me anyway, but fuck it. Uh, yeah, comic books. Keep reading them, kids. <laughs> Some of them are good. Others, eh. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who decides to buy Marvel Civil War 2, just stop. <laughs> Fucking stop. That book sucks. I remember like the first one coming. I was, it's different from the Civil War storyline that we have with the, the MCU but like the yeah. second one even the fans are like no, it doesn't make sense like all this was resolved 
in the first Civil War, this is just dragging up old shit to just have more drama. The first Civil War book is genuinely fucking amazing, right? Because it's superheroes versus superheroes, and it's, you know, Captain America versus Iron Man. It's the people who want to remain anonymous under the Superhero Registration Act, and the superheroes that think they have too much unchecked power and they need to be registered. It is a really, really good story. And it's told through the eyes of Spider-Man. He's the kind of the way in for the audience. It's him saying, you know, like, you know, we need to have accountability. We need to be able to do what we do, but with some kind of repercussions if we go rogue. But then he kind of goes, you know what? People know who I am. And people are getting hurt. We Superheroes need to be anonymous. It's a genuinely good book. Civil War 2 is literally Iron Man saying, you know what, Earth needs its own defences. I think we need to recruit more superheroes. Carol Danvers then goes, no, no, no. We're going to put a big energy bubble over the Earth and we're going to stop people from entering and exiting Earth. What the fuck? And then Rhodey tries to get involved and broker a peace between Iron Man and Captain Marvel and then dies. And then that sets Iron Man off. And Carol Danvers ends up not killing Tony Stark, but putting him in... Like beating him down so badly that he has to get put into some kind of healing chamber coma thing, at which point Tony Stark just comes back as an AI. So whereas you had the entire Marvel universe in the in the first Civil War coming together to try and, you know, prove one point over the other in order to, you know, either pass or deny this bill, you've then got, a, in Civil War Two a lot of a petty argument between Carol Danvers and Tony Stark that Rhodey gets in the middle of and accidentally gets his ass kicked. It's just, it's fucking garbage. And I wonder if, uh, not entirely sure the publication timeline, but I wonder if Rhodey getting involved in his ass kicked is a reflection of what happened in the Civil War, like, movie. Because it's Rhodey, it War is. Machine, that does get his ass kicked. Like that, and that, that knocks it up a level. It's like, okay, it goes from, like, from a scrap and a disagreement to, you just crippled my friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's on. <laughs> we're, we're not fucking around here. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just I when I seen that in the in the film, I was like, that looks like the bit from Civil War Two. It's like, oh, please don't tell me we're going that route. Oh, so the books first, and then the movie did it. I think it, the film might have did it first, then the movie chimed. No, other way around. Civil War Two came out, then Civil War the film. Right. Yeah. Books then movie. Yeah, they yeah. maybe just stole that part. Oh, maybe it was just it happens that he gets like shot down in both of them. Yeah, maybe. Either way, it's not good. Uh, Civil War 2 sucks, and if they make that into a film, I guarantee they will use it as a way to try and get rid of uh, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, which would suck, because I, I quite like Brie Larson. A lot of people think she's quite arrogant, and it, it's true, she can be a bit, but I like the roles that she plays. So, yeah. Then again, if they try and change too much of the MCU right now, it's going to go down in flames, because I've heard bad things about Ant-Man and the Wasp or Ant-Man 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp 2. Aye. Quantumania. Yeah, Quantumania, that's the one. I have not heard good things. And, to be honest, it's not the bad reviews that have stopped me going to see that film, it's the fact that fucking Modoc is in that, and I fucking hate Modoc and his giant head and weed dangly legs. Fucking hate him. I don't know who it is, so you're going to have to elaborate a little. Uh, Modoc is... I'm pretty sure he's a, you know, award-winning geneticist, some bullshit like that. 
who in the original books tries to recreate the super soldier serum because that was the big MacGuffin mm-hmm. back in the day. Uh, you know, the Hulk became the Hulk because he tried to recreate super soldier serum. Wolverine became Wolverine because they tried to recreate super soldier serum, but ended up finding a way to infuse adamantium into people's bones, so on and so forth. Uh, and in the original run that mutated them, it made them highly intelligent, but his body couldn't function without this big weird suit thing. And he's just such a non-fucking-threatening villain. I have no interest in anything that he appears in. You can put him in video games and try and make him appear threatening. You can give him a deeper voice and try and make him sound all gravelly and evil, but he's just such a shite villain. I don't want him anywhere near any Marvel film that I see. Oh, well. Fuck him. <laughs> right, um, I guess your elevator pitch then is the, the breakdown. Or is that oh, yeah, the it, current breakdown channel? My elevator pitch for this week is uh, I found through YouTube and after having many, many text conversations with Colin, a uh, I want to know more about Berserk, but in a kind of a non-spoilery type of way. And uh, this link that I've just dropped in here, Marvelous Videos, they do a really good job of that. They put in uh, a lot of work in the videos. They cover many, many topics. And uh, one of the main videos that they do is talking about Berserk, given the... Talking about the background of, you know, why Guts' arm is the way it is, who King Guy Siddick is. Basically, hundreds of hundreds of videos talking about uh, the different aspects of Berserk, and I think it's a very condensed but good way of giving people a bit more background information on a very, very heavy subject that is Berserk. So I'd highly recommend Marvelous videos. They not only talk about Berserk, they talk about Marvel, DC, other comics. Uh, there's a bit of everything in there, so you'll find it. If you find a YouTube channel, you'll be able to find something that you like. Uh, so I mentioned I'm going back to co- uh, about going back going back to comics, going back to concerts, and I think uh, since you're going back to college, I'm like, oh, dude, what are you studying? <laughs> I'm studying uh, diction, <laughs> English diction. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need to pronunciate some stuff. <laughs> I have to pick your words carefully and not be a fucking stuttering moron. Uh, right, my alley, I'd probably fail, but it's worth a shot. Uh, I'm going back to concerts more often, and uh, my next mm-hmm. concert is Baby Metal, Wardy, and Sabaton. And I don't know how uh, you get those three talking together, but that is going to be a gig and a half. Uh, yeah, you don't know how those three start talking to each other, but it's a conversation you want to hear. <laughs> my theory is that Wardy and Sabaton, both Swedish bands, that's an immediate connection. They're like, hey, let's take you out on the road, have a laugh, just go have a party all across Europe, let's go. And yeah. then I can see, for some reason, Sabaton liking baby metal. I think there was a picture of Johan, Johan being there with uh, the girls at like Download or something like that. And yeah. he was a big booster for them back when they first started. And it yeah. was a combination of people just yelling, fucking weeb trash, don't want this shit in here, get this idle shit out of here, it's not funny. It's not... And everyone's like, we're not joking about this, this is fucking legit. <laughs> um, so I know that it was them and Rob, I imagine it was them and Rob Halford were both kind of like, no, no, take them seriously. Enjoy the yeah. music. And it was definitely Rob Halford that kind of made me think, okay, these guys aren't just meant to be niche. Yeah. A niche little, uh, a niche band that come in. No, you listen to them, there's there's technical ability there. 
And yeah. as they get older and their voices develop a bit more, you realise that they can fucking sing. Although I think there's a third member has been added to the band again. Because we lost the youngest one, her name was Sue Metal, and she disappeared. And now there's a third member in a video that I saw somewhere, and I'm like, oh, wait, that like they're older now. Have they added yeah. a third idol back in the group? So I'll be interested to see what happens there. Yeah. But that's the next week, that's the 19th, I'll be at the SSE listening to Baby Metal and Sabaton and just kind of sitting through Lordy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, other than Hard Rock Hallelujah, name another Lordy song. <laughs> yeah. That's the real challenge. Yeah. So uh, my pick for this week is just my favourite baby, baby metal song, and it's Road to Resistance, and it's, of course, the version with the guys from Dragon Force, because that is probably the hardest shred I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. Just, it is, it is an all-out assault on the ears, and it is awesome, and I love it. So I've, I'm building my, I've started doing this more where I build playlists, and I actually post them up on Twitter, uh, whenever I go to a gig, I'll have the playlist of this is what I'm listening to, like, in preparation for this concert. It just helps the concert flow a bit yeah. better to know what's coming next and makes it a bit more uh, relaxed and enjoyable. So I'll be building my baby metal list uh, in the coming days once I once I find out what they're actually playing on the current tour list. Because um, that's the good thing about Scotland is that we get the tours at the end of or in the middle of tours. So there's normally a couple of English gigs. Yeah. Nobody starts in Glasgow. They always start in London. Yeah. So it's uh it's good to get like the kind of tour list before they come up. So I'll grab the, the tour list for Baby yep. Metal and Sabaton because as much as I enjoy like a few of their songs, I don't listen to that much Sabaton. And normally just, it, when it comes on on a playlist, I don't yeah. skip it. I think I'm in that boat with uh, Sabaton. Like, oh yeah, yeah, here comes Shiriyama. I'll listen to that. But it's not a band that I seek out. If they show up, let it play. Yeah, but. It's funny that you're talking about making playlists. It's something that I've started doing as well, but after concerts. And I always go on Spotify and I'll start, you know, compiling it myself using a set list or something that I found online. But there's always people that mm. make a set list and say, oh, here's the songs from their gig in uh, 2023 at, you know, O2 Academy. But I added some things that I wanted them to play. Like, well, that's not really... Now it's just a playlist of your <laughs> yeah. personal favourites, not the set list from that fucking gig, you idiot. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very dumb way to do it, because like, that's the entire point, is you're either prepping for the gig or taking the memory of the gig yeah. with you through the music. So I don't, rather than just like, I just like yeah, the I don't want to hear, you know, the clutch set list from in November last year, but with a couple of extra songs that you wanted them to play. I want to hear the set list from last year. At, at, at a push, if you're going to put extra songs on them, make it the support bands. Yeah. I, uh, I fucked up my Beast in Black playlist because I only saw the first nine songs that were on the list. I was like, only nine songs? Bit of a shit. Like, show. I wish they'd play more. That sh- their playlist went on, there's like 17 yeah. songs now. And every single choice is like, that is a great song to pick. <laughs> Nothing but hits. I would say I've been very lucky this year. Um, Arch Enemy, Behemoth, Bad Wolves, Beast in Black, Bloodywood, like, banger yeah. shows all the way through. I'm hoping the trend continues because um, after this, after Baby Metal, is possibly a Monomarth, and the new Monomarth album is fan fucking. Yeah, I. So after talking to you, I think it was a couple of days ago, I listened to it and I'm like, yeah, I get this. I fucking get this. <laughs> Inject it into my yes. goddamn veins. I need more Monomarth. I was pissing off my neighbours, <laughs> playing that shit loud. But find a way or make one is just. I- I'm ready to go. Yeah. 
<laughs> axes just you appear in your hand. hands. <laughs> the best part is as well, and it's an interesting thing about because I I have friends that are former Viking metal fans, and I, I just couldn't really listen to it anymore because it felt a bit off and cheesy. I don't quite like it as much as I used to when I grew up, and I'm like, well, I've still got that in me. So, um, but they were saying like it's just hard to square the the Viking mentality with modern yeah. life, and that find a way to make one is about that. The video for it is about that kind of if you love modern Viking metal, but you're working in an office job, what do you do? Like what? But that's that's the thing. This means more to you because you don't experience an extreme life. You get to kind of live vicariously through. Um, other people and other people's uh, like music and experiences, songs and stories, yeah. and it's an interesting take on it. It's, that's why I love Viking Metal. So it's uh, it, it's a great album, and it really does bring together yeah. a lot of stuff. But anyway, I feel we've been distracted from the elevator. Yeah. Rich. <laughs> well, if you like to complain about how distracted we were, you can reach out to us on Twitter for now. I mean, at this point, uh, aren't you surprised fresh. that we get distracted by shit? That is, that's ninety percent of the show. <laughs> It's oh shit! Yeah, it's just like oh piece of candy, oh piece of candy, oh piece of candy, oh piece of candy. You can also reach out to us on emails, uh, podcast at gmail dot com. Um, and if there's any uh, suggestions, you were still taking suggestions for alternative social media platforms. Right now, uh, I had started to like book and product Substack, um, but I'm not sure how we fit in there because we're typically you know taking the piss half yeah. the time, and Substack seems a bit more serious. I don't know how they feel about you know. Uh, random weebs showing up and shit posting all yeah. over the place. So um, we're open to suggestions, but it's as Dom said, it's not Twitter, baby, because <laughs> that is now your no, your last early reminder to say yeah, fuck, fuck Twitter. Twitter. Until you say fuck Twitter again, I've been called I've been Dom Anderson. 